Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Today on the Ether, digital privacy for you and your data. Welcome, Jackal Protocol, hosted by Serenity Shield. Let's take a listen. Good evening, everyone. Here's things, Ross. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm just uh, trying to get my technical situation sorted on my side. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Nice. Yeah, it's been um it's been acting like Twitter spaces have has been acting up lately the last couple of days, so hopefully we're we're all good. Like yesterday yesterday it was just like muting. So someone would be speaking and then like Twitter would just like auto mute them. I was like, okay. So we'll see. We should be good there. Hopefully everything's all good. But I'm excited today, man. Anytime I get to talk shop about crypto is always a good it's always a positive for me so it's a lot better than um talking about other things so looking forward to it mutual feelings we share that in common that's how we that's how you and i met in the first place and uh well i guess while we're waiting for patrick just to join us from jackal it's uh, probably a good place to start actually just about where you and i got together in this space but listen sorry if you want to take the floor a bit second host i'm just getting a lot of feedback issues so let me try and fix that yeah i remember the when we when we first met, man, it was uh, I want it was Shades. Shade was having a uh, a space, and actually at the time I was like really busy, and I was kind of just listening to the space and the backdrop, and it it was like just, it just got so real. So I I felt compelled to just like hop on, and um, almost like shill their team because I met all pretty much a lot of them, or not. I don't want to say a lot, pretty much all of them down in Texas for the most part. And, um, like they were just good people, you know, it was like, it was like whenever we were hanging out at the events and we went to, uh, the secret network had an after party. It was like, I knew these guys like my whole entire life. So, you know, I was just telling them like the passion's real and like their, their, their you know, what their use case and their tech was. And, and then I think you, you guys were just like t- kind of listening in too. And, and then that's how we kind of met. So. Yeah, good things happen on Twitter Spaces. I've lot of, I've met a lot of good people on Twitter Spaces, or sometimes well, just listening in. You know, here's someone I follow them, and then like they reach out to me, or I reach out to them, and then just like the juices get flowing there, man. Like there's a lot of uh, passionate people in crypto, so and um, a lot of like-minded people too. I find a lot of like-minded people uh, in this space. And from any background, from wherever they're from or where they currently reside or their background, it doesn't really matter. Like, it seems like crypto is like a common denominator for a lot of different things. Couldn't agree more. And look, I finally sorted the feedback issue so I can hear you loud and clear, which is great. Very important part of spaces, of course, being able to hear your co-host and your guests. And uh, yeah, just what you were saying there about shade protocol, when you think back to 
whatever it was, four, five, six months ago, when you and I first connected, that's the sort of the power of this space in general. And uh, the cream always rises to the top, as we say. And, you know, it's been a bit of a kind of emotional journey the last four or five months. The people that we've kind of managed to harvest relationships with, garner support from the community. And it's really a testament to the hard work that you have to put in, spending time, connecting, listening on spaces, rubbing shoulders with the correct people. And, and you know, from it, what you tend to find happens is that these relationships and partnerships are formed. And that's where we are with uh, also with Jackal. Actually, Patrick's just requesting to come up just now. So give me one second. I got it. Yeah. You got it, man. And, and that's and that's actually how it happened with Jackal as well. You know, through Shade, we found Cosmos Hoss yourself. And then from Hoss, we met Jackal. And Jackal now, look, man, we've, we've lined up a, a really, really fruitful partnership for both parties. And, and obviously, we, we totally dig what those guys are doing. Really passionate about data, privacy, storage of data, everything that goes with it. And... Yeah, just just having that opportunity to connect with you guys and other side of the world as well from me. I'm in Scotland and the UK, you're based in, in, in the US. And it really is a strange time to be alive where we have this means of and mode of communication just to find each other like almost by chance, but part of it really does feel like it's destiny and it does certainly feel like it was supposed to be. And, and that's what's happening more and more and more. I know I can speak certainly from Serenity Shield side of things that everything that seems to be happening from our point of view, it almost feels engineered at times. But really, when you, when you really look back and reflect on everything that's happened, it's it's it, it's also kind of one of those, those moments in your life you feel like it's destiny and fate playing its funny games and, and bringing things together. So... Without uh, without going on too much about that, I just wanted to say welcome to Patrick. Thanks for joining us from Jackal Protocol. I know you were on some spaces before this, so I hope you're not all spoken out. I think I hope you've got some voice left. And if you don't, don't worry, because we've got the voice of Twitter Spaces, Mr. Hoss himself. I'm sure he can fill the, fill the yeah. floor. No, I'm, I'm all good. I just Sorry about that. I'm just a little bit late running out of a meeting, uh, but I'm really happy to be here. Great to talk about privacy, uh, cybersecurity posture, and everything Web3. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here, Patrick. Obviously, you and I and, and the teams behind the scenes have been speaking for quite some time. And, you know, very quickly we realised you guys were very passionate about all things data. And as we always say when we do the Serenity Spaces, we don't, we don't like to, to focus too hard on the projects themselves because we feel that there's such a big topic of information that people need to know about. And we like to use a space as a platform for education. But I guess before we dive into data, just for the guests that don't know who Jackal are, maybe give us a, a brief introduction as to your, your own project, your background, and what you guys are trying to solve moving forward. And then we'll, we'll, we'll swiftly move on to the kind of general topic of data privacy and really get into why that's important and what we can expect for the industry moving forward and just give it our general thoughts as a panel. Yeah, 100%. So essentially what Jackal is, is Jackal is a blockchain, but it's also a data storage network. And and why is this important for, uh, for Web3 and also for legacy companies and legacy markets as well? Right now, uh, what everyone's seen recently is, is how important it is to have self-custody and, and ownership over their assets using crypto assets. And that's super important. And we've noticed this with issues such as FTX or the traditional banking system. It's, it's really empowering to have self-custody ownership of your things, your digital things, that is. 
what Jackal's trying to do is we're trying to apply the same principles to also files and data storage. And, and why this is important is when you take usernames and passwords and, and giving other companies your data and you're self-custodial of it, what's great about that is you get to have a higher digital privacy posture, higher cybersecurity posture. Due to efficiencies with blockchain, we can also save quite a bit of money on, on the cost of data storage and really creating an efficient system for people to store large amounts of data, whether it's a single terabyte for personal use all the way up to petabyte scale for businesses. Awesome, Patrick. Really appreciate the, the brief introduction there. And, and, and you've, you've, you've got a couple of points there and you're talking there about the, the size of data in itself. You know, it's, it's something I was thinking about recently. I was saying to the guys in our team, that I remember reading very recently something, I think it was CNBC, where they were talking about an article how each year at the moment we've got a growing number of about 4.2 zettabytes of information that's being stored annually. And there's crazy predictions out there about what that might look like, like by 25, 175 zettabytes of information. And for anyone that doesn't, it, you can't really actually fathom what that that size might be. But to try and visualise in your mind, if you were to take all the data in the world and download onto CDs and stack those tightly together, it would wrap around the world 222 times. So the point here is that clearly we're in an industry that is set to grow exponentially for the considerable future. The question I would have on the back of all of that, if we are thinking about data, and you were talking about specifically the, the amount of data that people are going to be storing, what potential problems are we going to be likely to face and where can blockchain come in to service those problems and make it better than what we currently see with the Web2 cloud paradigm that we have? Like, I guess putting it another way is what are the advantages and the disadvantages of using blockchain over the conventional methods that we have right now? And why would we need that moving forward? Yeah, 100%. So there is a ton of data that needs to be stored. And, and this is something with, with people working on AI models, those things have a ton of data and the ability to co do compute over data. But uh, data keeps on growing. But at the end of the day, the differences between centralized storage solutions and decentralized storage solutions and there's there's specific trade-offs at the current stage of the technology so when it comes to centralized storage solutions and, and centralized uh, data storage in general uh what you get is it's really fast data storage it can be really pricey everyone who who works in an in industry understands how expensive data storage can be but uh you get you get it's really great systems aws is amazing google cloud's amazing microsoft azure is amazing but what you don't have is is really the cybersecurity and digital privacy posture that can be offered with blockchain the ability to own your own data so the the, the question is what's the big difference between web3 and 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 Web2 storage solutions, it's kind of very similar. What's the difference between um, using a decentralized exchange and having self-custodial wallets and using a bank? It's very similar concepts that are associated with each, each different um, use case there. But at the end of the day, what we're offering is the ability to own your own files. And this is really empowering as we've seen in, in both uh, the financial side of blockchain, but also for the storage side. And the trade-offs that you get with decentralized data storage, it's uh, right now in its current state, what Jackal's done is we're trying to do hot storage, so try to mimic the speed of something like AWS. Since we want to maintain privacy, the, the trade-off is, is primarily speed. And the reason for this is because when you use decentralized data storage, you have to have systems that are purpose-built from the ground up to maintain such a high security posture. So we need to use end-to-end -end encryption. 
And with that, it blows the files a little bit. Jackal's a little bit slower than what you'll see with, with uh, like a Dropbox or Google Cloud or AWS, but it's getting pretty close. So where we are right now is is we're just looking to continue to build the product, make it a little bit better day over day. But the, the primary difference is, is number one, ownership. And number two, there's a little bit of a speed difference between uh, decentralized data storage and, and centralized data storage. An incredible answer. And look, to be honest, when you when you when you say it quite honestly and openly like that, for me, this is one of the things that's missing from the industry generally. Not even just the blockchain industry or the web three industry. Just just when when companies or businesses come to the forefront of something, they very often neglect to tell you the downsides to their product. And like with anything in life, there's a trade off, you know. And for me, the trade off being a little bit of speed that probably the average human can't even contemplate anyway because we're talking computed speeds that don't don't really impact the day-to-day -day kind of use case we're talking about here. When the trade-off there and the upside is privacy and ownership of data, like I think personally that it speaks for itself. And, and with time and the evolution of technology, I reckon we'll probably find that that speed and that gap even closes further. Uh, but I guess on that topic of ownership of data, Hoss, a good time to bring you in because I know that's actually what brought you and I together in the first place was your passion for data privacy and everything that goes with our autonomy and our relationship with our self-sovereignty. Guess moving forward into the future, data privacy is obviously something that's sweeping through the globe at the moment. We're hearing a lot of it. Rules are getting stricter. I think ever since 2018, when the EU had released its General Data Protection Regulations, or GDPR as people more commonly know it, we've definitely seen a massive increase in these types of regulations. And I suppose if you're, if you're looking at it kind of logically, with the amount of data breaches and hacks and scams and things that we have seen in recent times, especially even coming out of large corporations and big relatable companies that we all know, what, what do you feel we have to do now more from this point to make data privacy more more on people's radar to bring it to the forefront of their minds and to actually get them to give a shit and care about it in the first place because it's all well and good people like us that are really passionate about blockchain and web3 knowing about data privacy caring about data privacy but how do you get the average joe or the average man in the street to actually wake up and say you know what i need to care about this kind of thing yeah that's a very good question i mean uh, it's 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 a bit challenging. I think you have to kind of go backwards with that. Uh, for the human perspective, how can we get this for businesses, right? Like I think privacy and end-to-end -end encryption, especially with data solutions, I almost view it as like um, like Steve Jobs initially. He was building computers. You know, he's building Apple computers in, in his garage for businesses. And then it just became kind of cool. And it was like the people were like, hey, can you build me one for my house? And I almost kind of think that like that with data solutions. I could be wrong, but if businesses can save money, be more secure than they are now, like they'll get in, they'll get into it. But if it's just like, hey, you need to use blockchain, but you're going to pay more than you're doing now. And it may be a little bit slower. Like, I think there's a little bit of a um, hindrance there with them taking the leap of faith. I mean, personally, they even if you technically had to spend extra, which I don't think you will, just mathematically, I think uh, blockchain solutions are going to be cheaper anyhow. But even if it were, like, they should do it because it's it's insane how many data breaches there are. I, I almost get 
nervous anymore to buy anything online for any like any company anymore because it's just like all all my data is there you know they'll say oh cosmos Haas bought this from amazon and then you know something happens then all my data is there and i i honestly for the most part i get a little bit paranoid ordering different things on the computer anymore because there's it's just there's just so many hacks and so many breaches and uh, Patrick, I, I've been on plenty of conversations with him and private calls, and he's given me some uh, resources to like look up where you can go on particular websites and see. Like, I think it was like something Pond or whatever, and you could see. It, but would just type your email in, and you know there has been things that came up with like my personal email, and um, it's very scary to to think like that. On a personal level, I think people maybe are conditioned more just not to care you know they put everything if you you'll see them put their life on on facebook you know every single move that they do and i i have never understood that perspective you know like when i first got into crypto secret network was like one of my first like uh cryptos that i was like this is like it literally is me you know i I like to be private Uh, i like to be secure it, but I still want to partake in things like I don't want to be bothered if I don't want to be bothered. And um, the big problem with blockchain in general, not only uh, it, it's just like the whole narrative of of, of privacy, like it, it's it's gets thrown to the bottom for some reason. I don't understand it. Like it, there's no feasible world where someone can get your wallet address and just see every transaction you've ever done, see how much you're worth. Like that's not how it is. Like like. You can't just like see my bank account. Some random person on the streets can't just see my bank account. So there's there's different things that are are impl- you know they're being built and implemented in crypto. And for like people that have like a significant amount of money or hedge funds and um, portfolio managers, they're going to need some sort of like programmable privacy and so, and solutions for them to really partake in this um, arena, so to speak. Because like think about it. I say this sometimes, but you know, like if you're a hedge fund, it, you have competitions with other people. Uh, why would you want to have every transaction or everything you do on on the blockchain instantly? Like people can just copy and paste what your your investment strategies are. So, like Secrets uh, programmable privacy offers a solution to that. And I do think that people are waking up to you know to privacy. In my line of work in real life, I deal with a lot of people that are on the older side of things and um, they refuse to use the, you know, the computer. I'm like, oh, you need to email me this or can you, can you, uh, you know, send me this over? Oh, I don't do emails. You know, they're always getting hacked. And in in fact, like I kind of like laugh in the back of my mind, but, you know, they're really not wrong for the most part. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does, and actually, that, that that last point actually made me think of something there. So, con- convenience is a big part of all of this as well, because what you're saying there is just like convenient to just take part and do the easy thing. And I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. Actually, I, I signed up for a new membership for a for a gym nearby where I kind of travel to for work every day for the office and. I was asked to like, agree to the terms and conditions and privacy policies that were on there. And I use this example quite often, but no, ma- no matter how many times I tell people, I'm still guilty of it myself. I-, I always ask people, when was the last time you read a privacy policy before you agreed to it? 
And it's like almost universally, I think, it, to be honest, I'm yet to meet someone that says, I read privacy policies before I sign up for anything. And convenience is a big, big part of it. So if you think about it from the point of view, going back to what you said a couple of minutes ago about Facebook and social media as well, this is a big part of it for me, right? We're, we're marketed to all the time. Someone that does marketing for Serenity Shield every day, I'm very conscious of the impact that that can have on individuals. There's been an irresponsible nature to marketing, I guess, in, in this industry more so than any in my lifetime, certainly, you know, where it's just needless shilling and, and promotion, which is conditioning you to do a certain thing. Right? It's making you feel or believe something that may or may not be true and asking you to act and manipulate you to think in a certain way. And privacy policies are, are very cleverly written because if, if, if we all actually look deeper and we understood the language that was within those privacy policies, we would see that a lot of the stuff that I've just said out loud there in very layman terms is what is contained within those privacy policies. And if we had the time, sometimes these things would take three or four weeks to read through but if we actually had the time and the mental capacity to endure to get through all of that more than likely most of us would choose to to say no to a lot of the stuff we sign up to and agree to and then what we don't understand when we're agreeing to a lot of this stuff is that our data is then being given to someone else but worse than that we are passing ownership a lot of the time within many of these popular applications that we all use, social media being a big one like you touched upon, this is something we just give over our autonomy and sovereignty for. And this isn't even, we're not even talking blockchain here, we're not even talking Web3, we're talking about everyday part of our life where we don't think about the decisions we make. And the reason that is, is because we've been conditioned to take part. And wanting to take part means that you're probably finding that you're part of a system is engineering you to think and act in a certain way. And why I say all this to bring it full circle, Hoss, to what you were just saying, making a choice about data privacy is not easy, right? Making a choice to be anonymous or to conceal your identity is not the same as having secrets. It's having respect for who you are as a person and saying to the system, no, I want to be an individual, and I want that to be for me and my family only. I don't know the world want the world knowing everything about me, and that doesn't mean that I have secrets. It's not the same thing. And we're always talking about this in Serenity Shield, how secrecy and privacy are not the same thing. For this to work and for people to understand privacy, it has to be effortless. And actually, I'm going to come over to you now, Patrick, because when I, one of the things I like about your website is the simplicity, the minimal approach that you guys have taken. And to be honest, we need to take a lesson from this, something we've spoken about internally. We need to simplify our message globally and our narrative. But you've got an opening statement on your website that says digital security made effortless. And that's what Jacko are striving to, to achieve. And I think if you strive for that, you'll actually thrive in bringing people on board. And that's how I honestly believe all of, not just data privacy, but any of the people or any of the projects that are trying to do something in the Web3 space, they have to be A, relatable, and B, usable. And I think if you guys can get that message across, because data privacy is not easily understood, but when you think about it in the realms of our own individual lives, away from the, the blockchain Web3 space, when you think about it as like a, a simple example like I gave, that should scare people and make them think, you know what, People are using my information for their own personal gain or their own corporate corporative gains, and I'm getting nothing in return apart from uh, the ability to turn my face into a dog or something like that. So 
that's that's my own two cents on what you're saying there, Hoss. I think you did answer the question. It got me certainly thinking about things from a different yeah, angle. Before before Patrick goes on, I wanted to add to that. So he, I've literally during election time, you know, everyone, I don't know over there. I'm sure it's probably the same where you're at, but like here, you just get so much crap in the mail, right? Like, oh, vote for this person, vote for yeah. that person. Yeah. Well, this year I got scary mail, like like literally a handwritten letter with no like return address and saying like, like craziness stuff. Right. And I'm like, the only way this person knows this is like, which way I'm like registered to vote or whatever. So who told them, you know, cause like, I mean, it's, it's not like I have flags in my yard. Like, Hey, I vote this way. Like I'm like, I'm a real private person. Right. So it was like, this is scary. You know, some lunatics like writing me like letters on postcards with no return address saying all this craziness and i'm just like you know this is borderline this isn't this is not harassment this is more than that this is like serious and uh i've never shared that before but it, it was like crazy and um and that's all because of data right because someone had to find out some. there's no way someone just like randomly guessed because like i said I, people that i've said this on my spaces if you ever listen into any of my spaces like my next door neighbor could be an axe murderer and i wouldn't even know like i'm not even joking like i'm I'm cool. Like, hey, how are you doing? You know, they're mowing the grass, taking care of stuff. You know, nice. You know, how how is everything? But that's like the extent of my conversations usually with like my neighbors. And it's not because I'm just like I said, I'm just like a chill dude. I don't care what people do. I really don't. As long as you're not like harming me, do whatever you want to do. Like, that's just my personality. And that's why I liked like Secret Network because I was like, oh, it's a crypto that can kind of, you know, you can kind of remain private. And like you said, there's a big difference between like privacy and hiding stuff or whatever because in America, so many people are so conditioned when you're like, oh, that's no one's business. And people go, well, if you don't have anything to hide, you shouldn't worry about that. Well, what do you mean? And like you were saying like right there, the part, part is, is people steal your information, your data, and they make a bunch of money off of it. And you don't get anything in return besides being harassed by stuff. And I just kind of shared you my story right there about being harassed. So. But my, my other thing to, to add to Patrick, too, when he goes on is like, I guess there's no monetary figure, but what? How how much can a business can p- potentially save by using um, privacy? Like like say Jackal, for example. How much can they save in the sense of cost, or how much they can save in the sense of uh, saving from like privacy issues or cybersecurity well, issues associated with? Leaking well, privacy? I mean, I already know that. The, I mean, maybe people might want to. Re- you may want to reiterate that to 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 people, but. Obviously, the security is just one thousand times more secure than um, what what Web two and cloud can handle. But I just meant like as for like a monetary figure. I'm just thinking long picture of getting like real big businesses in to have a, like a ton of data. And that statistic that Nico threw out earlier, like a, it's like currently at four two four point two zettabytes or whatever. And they're predicting one seventy five. So I mean that's over a forty three x in just a couple of years. So that's a lot of data. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, from that standpoint, the, the the monetary savings it comes from efficiency using cha- uh, the the blockchain essentially for for all the infrastructure of who has what access to what data and all those things. Also, having efficiencies in the marketplace as well for the storage providers um, providing storage to the user. But at at the end of the day, um, I kind of want to bring it back a little bit to um, earlier. Uh, Nico's touched on the trying to make things simple and simplicity of having something like this relating to data storage, right? 
the security to user experience paradigm is really difficult because usually as more secure you get, the worse the user experience gets. And uh, we are akin to that in crypto too. If you have a hardware wallet with self-custodial keys, you have to sign every transaction and you have to really increase the security part posture that way. So that's the trade-off that we're trying to really fix is, is maximize the ease of use when relating to data storage and having security around that data storage specifically. Um, other, other things associated, but cost, there's, there's cost savings for businesses in the sense of using a decentralized storage solution like this, uh, where it's up to 400% cheaper in the sense that you can get like for $8 a month per terabyte, you get three times redundancy. So you get three terabytes for $8 a month. It, it's, it's pretty good from that side of things specifically, but let's talk about savings from cybersecurity posture. So what for a business in this current use case, the, the best use case for a product like Jackal is is a, a backup for a solution for a situation if you get hit with a ransomware or a cyber attack and you, you lose access to your data and having a really secure backup that's an auxiliary backup to your, your traditional system is, is really important for that use case specifically. And and the reason being is every time a company gets hit with a ransomware or cyber attack. You're looking for a larger company, it's like an $11 million cost just to fix the solution and then you're losing productivity every single day. So the, the great use cases for decentralized data storage right now is, is specifically using it as, as an auxiliary backup to your traditional systems. As these this technology and this infrastructure gets better and better and better as we continue to build and build and build, we're hopefully looking to get this type of technology to a place that it can be a drop in place for a product like an Azure or an Amazon AWS, uh, where you can use it as an active cloud environment as well. For native Web3 users that are comfortable with things like that, um, anyone can just stroll up to a, a decentralized storage solution um, like ours or or, or um, there, there's, there's a few others out there, but we truly think we're the market leader in the sense of having a really high security posture while still maintaining a good user experience. So that's kind of where my mind is in positioning in the market and the different use cases for businesses at this time. Really, really interesting that you brought that up because you just, I just heard you mention Amazon and my ears perked up because you, you would have heard this yesterday, Patrick, you know how BNB chain, I think they released a cloud data protocol dubbed as BNB Greenfield and their mission is to decentralize data storage. and. Look, <laughs> I mean, as someone who's passionate about decentralization, I had to laugh a little bit that the biggest centralized authority in the space is advocating decentralization all of a sudden. And I was kind of thinking, how how will that kind of work? Because we know we know what we are on this side of the pond. You know, we're we're fighting for digital rights and data privacy and decentralization. But I'm hearing like the big guys coming out and saying, look, we want to be centralized because that's what we are. But we realize that there's a big trend coming for decentralized data storage and we want to be a part of it. So my job here is to kind of make people aware of what's going on. And I'm saying to them, look, I'm sure there's a great place in the market for what they're doing. And I'm actually delighted that people at Binance are, are behind something like this because it shows we're on the right trajectory. We're on the good a good path. And really, to be quite honest, taking the joking aside for a second, they can only add a bit of... I guess, um, credibility and endorse what we're doing is the right way to go. But I think in what you were saying there, the key is that we need to separate what that is for big corporations like your Amazons and people like that. 
and what we're trying to achieve as well on the other side. And, and we really, it's Serenity Shield, I can't, Jacko's obviously doing something a little bit different, but what we, we, we started out our mission to be was about the individual and about user data ownership. That was something that was really at the forefront of our mind. And as time's gone on, we've realised that there's a market there where we can help a bigger sort of market share. We can help the, the business sector, the commercial sector as well. So there will be an interesting time ahead of us to see how this all lies. But like anything, what it does show is that the market is certainly there. The market is big enough and we're definitely in the right place at the right time. I think it now just goes down to have integrity and credibility at the forefront of everything we're trying to achieve. Yeah, it's definitely social proof that we're on the right path, <laughs> at least. So that, that's super important. Um, the other thing, when you look at a product like that, it, it might be decentralized permissions to data storage, but it's not really it's more than data storage, right? Um, it, assuming that the BNB chain is decentralized from a validator perspective as well, which is another question. But um, at the end of the day, we're just happy that that people are building out and really paying attention to infrastructure projects like this because uh, we've been doing this for almost. Uh, Last November we started, so it's a little bit over a year now that we've been building a product like this. A lot of work goes into it, and it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of sweat and tears goes into building something like this. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm super excited that that other corporations are paying attention to this. And then there's a there's clearly if if, if they're making moves, then there's definitely a market for what we're building here. So with the, the emergence of the, these kind of guys coming into this market as well, it begs the question for me. I was thinking about. We're we're going clearly in terms of the size of the market, the scale of the market. But aside from that, you've been in this sector for quite some time, and I know that your background. We've spoken before, and your background is has been in the data sector for for many many years. But like as we evolve and we go to this blockchain environment and Web three emergence, what for you are you expecting to see are some top trends that might come out within the next two or three years? particularly when you apply it to the blockchain space because everyone wants to always think in cycles of bear cycle and bull cycle and all this kind of stuff. But purely in terms of the technology itself and how it performs, what would you expect like for the general everyday person that they can expect to see as your top, top trends moving forward? Yeah, top trends moving forward. Uh, for, for data and big data, the, the big focus for us is B2B, even though we, we love to have an awesome B2C product. But the, the, the big thing that I think is on the radar with all this hype and, and it's almost a bubble forming around AI, but associated with AI, I think compute over data will be a really big thing and trying to figure out a way to have um, really large compute servers utilize decentralized data storage that, that's number one, private data sets. We think the, the having permissions around private data sets and maintaining and building private data sets is going to be really important as well because that's going to be the differentiating factor, factor associated with which AIs are going to be more powerful than other AIs from my perspective. So if I was to be a betting man, I think the next big trend would be compute over data and having that ability and decentralized data storage. Um, outside of that, I think an interesting concept is, is bringing your own data vault to different social applications on blockchain because the whole social media aspect of these Web3 products, they've uh, there's Lens Protocol and there's all kinds of them that are coming out of the woodwork right now with great products. But um, right now, the, the storage layer of those products are still on centralized servers and the users don't really own that data. They own um, their posts and the, and the different things that they write because they can get all that on chain because it's usually less than a kilobyte. But uh, as we continue to scale in that direction we would love to to try to figure out a use case where you can use those social media platforms while still maintaining control of your data sets 
um, of the, from the individual user where you can um, have full control. Number one, um, you have self-custody of all your information. That's number two, which is super important. You don't have to rely on a third party to be secure or leak your information because you own it yourself. So only what you choose to be public is public. Uh, other things associated with that is think about monetization of your own data. And I think this is an interesting possibility where you we could do something with like ocean protocol where users can actually sell your own data to who you want to sell your own data rather than giving it to a third party company and them selling it to whoever the highest bidder is wow wow that's quite an answer actually <laughs> there was there was quite a lot to unpack there and, and the, the final part monetization of your own data i think that's something we certainly will inevitably see and I guess it's it's all about giving people a choice. I think that's what that comes down to when you start talking about monetization of anything. It's, it's about choice and giving people the, the platform to do it if they want. I think that's the part that doesn't exist right now. We touched upon that earlier on. But the part that I haven't thought about before until you've just mentioned just now is the integration within social media and how we can use that to control uh, our data privacy. I think that's actually something that if, if there's a use case that can be developed there, I can certainly see the, the scale of the market and the scalability of something like that and how it can apply. But going further back to the, the first part of your answer, something that, that, that comes up a lot at the moment, and I'm not sure where you guys personally stand, or you, your team stand, or where people listening might personally stand on this subject. But look, the big thing that's in the media at the moment is green storage solutions, where we're going by 2030 carbon net zero initiatives that government are trying to impose. What does that mean for blockchain? And what does that mean for our industry moving forward? Is it something we should be concerned about? Or do we have the ability with what we know now to evolve the current technology to a point where this should not be something that we should be intimidated by as developers, as people that are advocates for blockchain tech? Is this something that you have thought about at Jackal yourselves? And how do we navigate that i don't want to call it a problem because it's something that's been used as policy that we just have to be on board with but is it something you guys have obviously talked about and how do you intend to navigate those regulations yeah it's a really good question um so let's start with the so right now from our understanding jack was the only proof of stake storage blockchain so right now with proof of stake, you get efficiencies. And that was the big thing from Ethereum moving to proof of stake was the concept that they would have a, a lot less of an impact on the environment. And that's, that's super important. The other thing that's beautiful about blockchain in itself is, is we can get very, very granular about how much storage, how much consumption each one of our storage providers are, are pro producing from, from a carbon footprint perspective. And this is something where you know how much data is on each storage provider. You have some metrics that, that you can really grind down to a lot more efficient guess of, of carbon footprint if that's something you're looking to offset. Um, when you look at other companies that are in uh, like the Web2 space, the only information that you get of how much carbon footprint or, or how much uh, of an impact is this company having on the environment is self-reported. Right. So you don't know what their data centers are. We don't know what kind of uh, energy they're using or consuming. You don't know what kind of rigs they've built. So when it comes to the, the blockchain perspective, you can get a lot more granular and you can actually get a lot more of an efficient calculation. And it's a publicly efficient calculation of, of base metrics like that. Obviously, we don't have metrics of 
uh, what are people storing and all those different things. But we do have metrics of all the on-chain information, such as uh, how much storage has someone used, uh, how many storage providers are online, how much data is stored, where are those storage providers geographically located based on IP address. Um, so you have some metrics like that. So using that information as clues, you could probably get a pretty accurate representation of, of the energy consumption of the entire chain as a whole. So we get to be a lot more transparent, that's for sure. How we approach the the, the climate issue and in, in, uh, whether it's carbon credits or something along those lines, and I know there's other Cosmos blockchains that are focused on um, tokenizing carbon credits. Uh, that's a DAO question, right? So you'd have to go to chain, you'd have to make a proposal. If that's something that our token holders are interested in, we'd be happy to start to implement different green options. Yeah, Patrick, I, I'm not the biggest, uh, I guess, I have I have different thoughts about this whole green thing, but I, I understand it at the same time. I guess more on, like, the usability of, um, like, blockchain. It's, it obviously needs to improve. It has been drastically improving. And, um, you know, like, one-click transactions are going to be the thing in the future. Like, how far, in your opinion, how far away do you think you, like, maybe even just Jackal is? So, say I was a business don't know really much you know i have all this stuff on the computer i'm like hey i like what you guys are telling me what do i need to do like how hard would it be for that person that really has like very minimal um skill set and like maybe all their data is on um you know like google drive or whatever like how hard would it be for them to to like come over to jackal it's a really good question so what we're looking is building on uh, little tool sets where people can just dump their entire computer into Jackal as, as like a uh, backup. Like some people might have Apple products like backing up to iCloud. We're working on working on tooling like that where you can move everything from, for example, your Google Drive onto Jackal. So that uh, that's a that's a question for, for our dev team and our ability to build tools like that and have really easy transfer is going to be really critical to the success of our protocol. So it's something we're definitely focused on and we're building out. Um, when is the question we're looking to launch the protocol and get everything up and running before we start really hammering those tools but they're definitely in the pipeline uh so right now you'd have to do it a little bit more manually you have to like drag and drop or you can browse and multi-select and add those things into the dashboard and load everything in that way but as we continue to scale we're looking to build out tooling for people to have a lot easier of an onboarding experience on the job do you see uh, like, i don't know maybe with you guys or just in general like like for example i use uh, google calendar a lot would, would would there be a future where you think all that could just be on the blockchain too? Yeah, well, Haas, if you want to learn how to write in Rust, you could probably build it on the smart contract layer, that's for sure. But uh, outside of that, um, it's definitely something that can be done, I'm sure. It, it, there's not that much data associated with the calendar, so you could probably put it directly in the chain possibly. But um, it, it's definitely something that can be built. And out. I know people have been working on like uh, email solutions too. But that's another thing. I always get like paranoid with like Gmail. Like what about emails? Email is definitely po uh, possible. The The beauty of email is is the um, uh, the email protocol is an open source protocol as well. I'm just trying to figure out a way to link up the blockchain and link out up uh, data storage and, and all those things into the email client. It's something that my team's definitely been looking at. Um, we're, we haven't really put that much work into it yet because we're kind of more focused on, on, the, uh, on the base levels of the protocol right now. But it's definitely a possibility in the future. Because I was just trying to think, like, if a business was like, all right, well, we want everything to be, you know, secure. We don't even want to have, like, our company have a Gmail account. We just want to have it, you know, like, say, through Jack or whatnot. That's, 
Cause that to me, um, you know, that's kind of the future. This whole like using Gmail and you know, they, I don't care. They still take your data, even on emails. They have to, <laughs> I, I just don't trust it. You know, like you used to see my personal email, actually thinking about it. I probably need to delete all my emails. I just delete everything off my emails anymore. I just delete them all. I don't have anything to hide. I just delete them. I just, I can't look at them. I get too much junk anyways, but, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I would personally, my, my future is just living on the blockchain. Like every, everything's just in blockchain tech, like everything, like my life is on the blockchain. <laughs> That's the beauty of blockchain. It's a building the space. It's infinite white space, right? You can, you can, the, the possibilities are endless. It's just trying to find the right team to harness it. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, I mean, technically you can now, you can have all your data on, you know, a, a hard drive or whatever you want and just get up and go wherever you want. So it's the beauty of it. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, the future of it. Cause like for, for those out there, I've always been fascinated with data you know, I've always been in, into like investing in like data solutions and what you guys are offering. And uh, you know, there's some others out there in the space. It's uh, it's interesting for sure. And um, I, I always tell people, you know, like, is there going to be more data now you know, like one year from now or less, you know, it's always going to be more. I mean, it's just the way it is. Everything's digital now. I mean, pretty much every human being has like a smart a smartphone nowadays. You know, it's just nonstop data everywhere. It's crazy. I think one time I was having a conversation with you, maybe on a, a particular space, but there was like a statistic that you threw out that like just was like an eyeball moment for me just talking about data. I don't know if you recall it or not, but you gave me some sort of statistic in like the last maybe say decade. There's been more data now than like all of humanity or something. It was it was some crazy statistic. I don't remember if you know that or not. I've I've actually I think I've got that in, in front of me at the moment. Uh, there was something like yeah, it was Eric Schmidt. Uh, I'm assuming it sounds like the same one. Plus, there were five exabytes of information created between the dawn of civilization through 2003 but that much information is now created every two days and it's probably higher than that now wow yeah that that was yeah that was what it was it was like wow man that's crazy and it's just going to keep growing you know like there's just everything's digital you know like even like in america some people still use like uh say checks or whatever or, or paper money like that's all going to die off at some point you know like everything's going to be digital everything like just there's just no old school stuff will ever exist anymore you know i don't know how long that takes but it's all everything's going to be digital and then hopefully everything's on a blockchain so i couldn't agree to more there it's uh that is being produced like like crazy it's it's the amount of applications the number of different SaaS products that are out there that just consume data also just the need for data in different industries where for large corporations down to individuals, you always need a place to store your stuff. And, and right now, how many people have, uh, are, are taking photos and getting them developed? Like, yeah, that's just not a thing that happens anymore, right? And everything, there's no more mail anymore. It's all through email and other, uh, we all message everyone in the Web3 space, we're all on Telegram and Discord. It, it's, it needs a place to house all this information. And uh, we think it's a really scalable and a really secure way is to house it on using blockchain permissions and use peer-to-peer -peer networks to secure it all. Um, just like we use the same way to upset the financial system in a sense where you just build systems that are resilient. You get efficiency bonuses by not having any middlemen. 
You have the, the ability to transfer files between two peer-to-peer -peer individuals with no middlemen in between. It's really empowering, and that's where we're excited to go. So, so hold on, Nico. So, so Patrick, uh, so for, for those out there uh, that, that don't know this story, you know, I met you guys down in Texas in June, and it was in Austin, Texas. Can you, can you share the story about when you guys went to the – was it the Austin Police Department? And you showed them how easy it was to get into their system. Yeah, well, so <laughs> you got you got to be careful saying these things, <laughs> Um so Essentially, what what we like to look at is it's it's when we do a lot of B two B work and B two B meetings, we we like to look at breach credentials. And what is a breach credential? So essentially, what happens is you give uh, you, you give your information that's your username and password, or username, password, phone number, or sometimes username, password, phone number, address depending on the service that you're using. When you use that service, that company now houses that information. And often you'll look in the news every single day, it's XYZ company got breached in a cyber hack and all their information is leaked online. Um, and that information that gets leaked online, it gets collected by cyber criminals, and then you try to get you with cyber phishing attacks or just try to log in your stuff or convince your, log in your Facebook and hack your Instagram and convince your friends to send you money or something like that. Um, so what there's about, we use the service, there's Dehash, there's Haven't Been Pwned's a good website for individuals looking to try to figure out how, how exposed they are and if they should change their passwords and things like that. But um, there's about 15 billion breach credentials out there, which are username and password pairs associated with each individual user. So you can index different organizations, you can index specific emails, or you can just cross-reference passwords and all kinds of stuff. Um, so when we were going down to Austin to do a presentation, we wanted to see, okay, uh, data storage is really important. We think username, passwords, and phone numbers as um, a way to log into things is kind of goofy. And we think public and private keys are a lot better, like the way that we use uh, blockchain products. So uh, we were looking into um, the different organizations there, and we realized that the chief of police of the Austin Police Department had been breached. I think it was a, it was like a MyFitnessPal or something. And uh, people's passwords are just sitting in plain text on the open internet. It's super dangerous. And we think that public and private key technology can really help in this area specifically where um, depending on how much of a security posture you want around the data, you could even hook in multi-sigs for root folders and stuff along those lines to make sure that you can have the highest security posture possible. And that's what's beautiful about the stack. Yeah. It, for, just elaborate to people what, what a multi-sig is and how important that is in crypto. Yes. So, uh, so a multi-sig is, is where you, you pretty much have a private key and it gets split between multiple wallets where um, a certain amount of them have to come to consensus to unlock something. So treasuries use this, uh, some foundation wallets use this, where uh, multiple individuals have to come together to sign a transaction. And uh, this can be done with hardware wallets as well. So you can have uh, private keys that are on paper, which we're all, uh, a lot of us are used to. And uh, for you to either send a token or send an NFT or, in our case, send files, multiple parties have to come to consensus uh, to, for that action to occur. So this is something that's great for ransomware backups or, or just auxiliary backups or just like an active cloud environment as well, where if you want to have um, really high security posture, you can have multi-signature wallets around, um, whether it's tokens or NFTs or files. So I'm going to ask you this on a personal level. How I'm getting these weird emails all the time or like not weird emails, but weird like invoices on PayPal. And it's always like 
some sort of crypto thing? Like, what? How? What can that be? What can that be? In your opinion? Yeah. Well, it's so each individual has a digital footprint, right? So uh, let's say let's take me for example, right? So by researching me online, you can probably figure out that I'm a founder of Jackal Protocol. I used to work at other companies as well. I went to St. FX University and you can figure out all these things. But you can also search in the gray net and the dark web and other indexing services for other things like uh, email addresses. You can take those email addresses and try to figure out if you can find a Twitter account or a Instagram account. So what they, these individuals try to do is they try to create a picture of, of who's Cosmos Haas, the guy. And then they try to exploit that. So they know that you're a guy that's in crypto probably. Um, and they, they try to use cyber phishing techniques to get your information. So they get your information from indexing it, whether they scrape it themselves or they get it from a third party. Um, it's just loose controls around data. And this is how these things happen. Nice. Yeah, it was, uh, there's one in particular. It was like, I think it was like right after like the, the Luna and UST crashed. And I got this like random email because it went through like PayPal. I was like, oh, you got a PayPal invoice. And then it was like, I don't remember what it was, but I know it had to do with like Terra Luna. I was like, oh, you, you, you need to send us or call this number. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like a phone number or something. I'm just like, I, I know this is garbage, but I it was like, it looked really good though. So it's easy for someone to like, oh yeah, this is serious. Like I need to, I need to send this invoice on PayPal to this random, you know, place or whatever. So it, it is, it's scary to think about that, but yeah, there's just a lot of stuff out there. that you have to be really safe about? Hey man, there's, it's always, it's, there's grifters, there's criminals, there's whole nine yards and crypto's no different, right? It's uh, the, the first people to adopt pretty much any type of technology is usually going to be criminals trying to figure out a good way to use it to, uh, make a quick buck i guess yeah exactly for sure go ahead nikas i know you were going to ask something yeah. no it was it was earlier on something i think it was something you were saying I've, I've lost my train of thought to be quite honest with that one but it, it really everything it brings all back to the top of the call why why we brought this up tonight was data privacy and it's really why does it matter you know, and, and when we when we first talked to us, we talked to, to each other about what digital rights and how that was a fundamental component of our message and everything that we stand by. But it all stems from this reality that the data and the, the footprint that we leave behind is simply a digital extension of ourselves everywhere we go. And for whatever reason, and I, I can't. I, I'm not. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I, I don't have the answers to this one. I, I, it's probably actually a question more for an anthropologist, and, and so they'll, they'll they'll look back in time and look at this period where we lived through and give you a better answer than we can give now. But never, never have we been more connected as a species, and at the same time been so disconnected. The, the, the amount of data, this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but it brings it all back to the kind of reality of what we, we interact with every day. And we don't think of what we do or the, or the legacy or the footprint that we leave behind. I think we fail as a species to recognise that all of those things are simply information and pieces of data. And you guys just talked there. I think one of the, I think it was Patrick, someone used the word empowerment. You know, and that, that's what we're trying to do. And I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, but I can pretty much guess because it doesn't matter where you seem to go. There's a there's a disconnect between human beings and there's a part of human beings where you can see in their eyes there's a lack of confidence, particularly, particularly in younger people. 
and there's 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 probably lots of different reasons. Pandemic didn't help, and different things in the world that happened. But aside from all of that, we are being put into a box, and we are being generalised as a species. You know, on the surface, we're all treated the same. We're all perceived to be the same, and that's so sad because it couldn't be further from the truth. The reality is, is we're all individuals, and as individuals, we come to create a collective. And it's all those individual thoughts and ideas and everything that we've built that got us to this point. And really, why have I said all this and why am I giving you this philosophical answer is because it's important and more important more than ever before that people take their data privacy serious to protect that fundamental human right. That is why we call it a fundamental human right. It's okay using buzzwords and just saying it and quoting Article 12 from the Human Rights Act or anything like that. But when it really, what it really comes down to is understanding that you are an individual and for whatever reason, scientific or social science reason, there's a lack of confidence in our species at the moment and there's a disconnect that we're feeling. And I can't help but feel that it's manipulation of our, of our mind and the data that we have presented to them for free that has been used against us to then actually turn us into something more akin to a cabbage than a human being. And that's that's really where I'll leave it at tonight from my point of view. I know it's quite strong thoughts, but it's, uh, I think it's really what, what the importance of data privacy is why I want to talk tonight. And what we've, we've covered is a whole array of different examples of how we can privatise it, make it private, sorry, how we can protect it, how we can secure it, how Jackal are doing it, how others are doing it. But it really all comes down to the philosophical point of why why should we want to protect our data? And for me, until people really find it the path or are shown the light or given reason, they will never relate to this stuff. And this goes for all of blockchain. I talk about this all the time. You know, I hear it and in, in if it's for a financial tool or an application for gaming, most of the time it's not relatable to, to everyday people. And it's not until we make them aware, people like us that are in this space that have got a little bit more knowledge than the average person. But again, we rely on each other to step in. Look, Patrick tonight coming in here as, a, as an expert in data to educate on that. You know, next week we'll have someone talking about an exchange. It could be someone talking about an application for financial tool, uh, financial management. Whatever it may be, we're a collective. And that's really where I, I see our kind of duty with these spaces every week. We, we bring awareness to this stuff. I think that's a great, great way to end it. Um, I, I don't know if I, I can top that, but uh, outside of that, I'm just really happy to, to be here and just chat about the, the future of Web3 with privacy and security posture. It's super important, and I can't wait for this uh, this infrastructure to just get better and better as time goes on. Yeah, I can't really follow up by by what you guys had said, but it's just an exciting journey, and I always appreciate everyone that tunes in, more so when it's the bear market and things aren't the best conditions. And I know there's been a little bit of positivity, but you know, just continue to keep learning, growing, collaborating, and, and growing your mind. And that's what's fascinating about this space is that it's always changing so fast and that um, you, you can always push your mind to the limit. And the amount of knowledge and things out here or it's a it's an amazing space and you know I, i'm looking forward to the future the same conversation you know next year at the same exact time it's going to be different and there's going to be more infrastructure and um it's it's here to stay i mean like i said I, I um i've been around for a while now especially in tech and 
crypto is just it's not going anywhere it's just going to keep improving there's going to be more people in in it in the future so just stay strong and it was it's been nice and real to have this conversation and just listen to you guys and i appreciate it so take care everyone really well said just to to wrap up it all comes back to one of the one of the first conversations we had and you've quoted this a few times you've said a number of times and we'll, we'll end on this point is that in many ways blockchain is the last chance for our species. And I've, I've heard you saying that on several occasions, Hoss, and I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, to save ourselves, we have to work together and we have to use the technology we've been given for good and to re-empower ourselves and, and reignite the, the kind of thing, the, the great things that we can achieve. But listen, on that note, Patrick, on behalf of the team Serenity Shield, on the, behalf of the listeners, really... Truly appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy like everyone else in this space and I know time is very precious, but it's much appreciated. We'll continue working very close with you guys. You're a big part of what we're trying to achieve moving forward. We're absolutely delighted to be on the path and journey together with you. So any of our listeners that would like to learn more about Jackal Protocol, you can find them at jackalprotocol.com, I believe. And also yeah. they can like you know what, Patrick, you're probably better to tell people where they can find you. <laughs> yeah, if you go to my profile, you can also just click on uh, Jackal underscore protocol on Twitter and uh, jackalprotocol.com. You're on 100% on point there. Excellent. Hoss, thank you very much as always, brother. It was a pleasure. Thank you to you, our listeners. We will be back again next week for another Serenity Spaces and I will be posting in the next few days about who you can expect to see on that panel. Everyone have a good evening, good morning, good night, wherever you may be and take care. God bless care, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was digital privacy for you and your data. Welcome, Jackal Protocol. Hosted by Serenity Shield. Recorded on Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org/slash/donate and show some support, man. Waking up like a basement dweller Stepped out the door and heard racist yelling 2020, what an ugly shit show Staring at the fucking Rick Roll from the get-go Looking outside, the whole state's on fire The fuck do you expect when you embrace the liars And replace the writers with AI just like us Emaciated models killing bright birds First in, last out, picture me rolling The worst time to cash out, so what you holding? The Burks gonna cash cow, country stolen Drooling over chicken like the goose is golden Trying to be soulful Spitting that molten Lava from the bottom of the caldera I'm hot and gonna put it in a bottle And offer it to the god who hit the gas full throttle Blasting off in a rocket The many people who will, will see things happen to them That are in their favor So someone's looking over me that's a, that's a fascinating phenomenon When that happens And analyze those situations, what you find is, is that we as humans simply have a profound inability to understand statistics and probability. Stitching these writings, living that life like, who would have guessed you turn out this nice, right? Avoiding stress, that's the motherfucking secret. Print that shit on a motherfucking leaflet. I'm just an asshole hooked on the bricks. Looking at the rectangles, damn, they kinda thick. We've gone through a whole lot of kings here. Cutting off heads just to bring cheer Getting all fired up, Tiger King, line them up When you'd give an arm and a leg just to try the job
junk on some first time buyer's luck Alexa set a reminder and remind me to buy a bunch and put your hands up if you fuck this year and keep them in the air if you're picking up the spare and put your mask on just to go outside looking at the planet about to downsize so climate change will not make earth Basically, every other coastal city that we've spent thousands of years building uh, in the, since the dawn of civilization. Terrible spaces.